Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Junction 28 Church. We're so glad that you've decided to join us today and know that God wants to bless you with this message. We'd love to hear about it, so why not tell us on our Facebook or Twitter pages? If you would like further information about who we are, check out our website www.thejunction28church.com. We hope you enjoy this message. So uh, this morning, what I wanted to do was, I want to talk to you about humility. I want to talk to you about true humility. And, uh, you know, I'm not by any stretch of the imagination going to do an exhaustive, you know, uh, session on this. So you can't go away and it's like I've preached to you from a thousand books and I know everything about the subject. Do you know what I mean? Because if I even thought that, it wouldn't be very humble, would it? But what I want to do is I want to talk to you from a place of where God's been challenging me. This has kind of been a theme um, for me in my own devotional time, in my own study time, uh, a theme of life, I guess you could say, for the last uh, few months. So I always, want to, I always want to try and preach when uh, at J28 from, from something that's going on in my own life, something that's going on in my own experience. So this morning we're going to be looking at humility. So it, as I said, it's one of those subjects... It's a bit of a slippery subject, humility is. It's a strange old thing, and it's really hard to talk about because it raises the question, can you actually know that you're humble? Just think about that one for, you, for a moment. Just let that boggle your brain. Can you know that you are humble? If you're saying to yourself, well, yes, because I am humble, then you're probably not humble, are you? Do you know what I mean? So this is one of them sort of slippery subjects. And, uh, you know, if I was to say to you or in your connect groups, if we did the notes for you or something, your connect group leader said, right, we're going to go around and we're just going to talk about what God is doing in uh, each of your lives. And the first thing you say is, I just feel like God's, uh, you know, in my life at the minute, God's ingraining into me this deep-rooted humility. And I would sit there and say, oh, really? <laughs> did you just brag about being humble? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's just one of those really slippery subjects. So, uh, you know, even talking about the subject can be... Um, can be, I think, hard to preach about because I, I can't really use lots of examples from my own life because it wouldn't be very humble, would it? Again, you're kind of caught between a rock and a hard place. I'm not pretending to stand up here this morning and say, well, if you want some examples of humility, look no further. Look at this guy up here with his perfectly polished brown shoes and his lovely jeans and his great physique. <laughs> I'm joking. Uh, do you know what I mean? I'm going to give you many, many examples of humility from my life. You just can't do it. So what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is this is a hard subject to talk about. That's where you go, oh, oh no, poor old Nathan. So um, I want to get into this a little bit this morning. Um, so we can't really take any inspiration from ourselves. When we're talking about humility, we can't take inspiration from ourselves. We need an external source. So it raises the question, doesn't it? Where do you go to, you know, to see what true humility looks like? Because there's plenty of examples out there, isn't there? You know, I, I'm sure most people would agree with me when I say that, uh, you know, humility is an attribute that is, you know, it's definitely celebrated in our culture, isn't it? It's, you know, still fashionable, so to speak. There's nobody out there that uh, is opposed to humility and says, oh, you know, I, I don't want to come across as a humble person. So, it, you know, it's still a, a popular attribute. You know, you see it on... Um, Things like X Factor and you look at these like talent shows and these kinds of things and people get praise if they position themselves as being humble. You know, when they appear to have a low, uh, like a low impression of themselves, a low opinion about themselves and they could turn up, you know, maybe the girl that grew up on the council estate in real humble surroundings and just wants to get a break in life. You know, is that, is that humility? I'm just asking the question, is that humility? 
I remember a few months ago reading, uh, not reading, but watching, uh, I was watching the boxing and there's this up and coming young uh, star in the heavyweight division and uh, no doubt about it, he's a great boxer and the promoter was talking about him saying, you know, he's such a good guy, he's got all the attributes to make a really fantastic world champion, he's going to unif unify the division, I just think that he's going to be able to take everybody and you know, the great thing about him is he's so humble. And then in a post-match like, post interview with him, they were talking about his humility, and he says, yeah, I am humble. I thought, that's a bit of a contradiction, isn't it, really? So there's many examples out there of what society uh, you know, considers humility to be, but no offence, it all seems like a little bit off, doesn't it? It all, it all seems like a bit of a grey area. So come on, where do we go when we want to look for a true example of humility? Where do we go when we want to look for an example of anything, what we should be in our lives? Come on, this is interactive this morning. Where do we go? Exactly. We want to go to the Bible. We want to look at Jesus' life. I remember um, a few years ago listening to a, a guy preach and him saying, it, it sounds really obvious, doesn't it? But he says, if you, want, if, you want a, if you want an example of how to live, then, you know, by all means, go out there, get the books, you know, listen to Christian teaching and all this kind of thing. But let your first port of call Go to the New Testament. Let's go to the Bible and have a look at the life of Jesus. How did Jesus portray humility? So to do that, what we're going to do is we're going to go to uh, what I consider to be one of the, the Bible's most fantastic um, passages uh, of Scripture. This is something that inspires me all the time. I feel like I'm, I'm forever, when I'm trying to get up on stage and inspire people, I'm coming back to this verse and the, the, these verses and this spe specific chapter of the New Testament all the time. And this is... Uh, Philippians chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, if you want to go there, I apologize to the team because I've not given them these scriptures. So they uh, should be coming up on screen sometime soon. We're going to go from verse 3. It says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. This is phenomenal. Listen to this. It says, Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like, if you're not inspired by that, I don't know what's going to get you going this morning. That's just something that I'll constantly keep coming back to. Now, who being in very nature God. Let's just stop there this morning. Jesus Christ, who being in very nature God. Have you actually ever stopped to just take in the weight of that statement? Because it's easy, isn't it, to just come and talk about Jesus, to just turn up at these gatherings and everything, and, you know, Jesus' name gets flung around the place, of course. But do we ever take in the real weight of what Philippians chapter 2 is saying there? That Jesus, being in very nature God, if you don't already know this man uh, that we talk about, Jesus, if you're new here this morning, or maybe you've been a Christian for years and you still don't know this. But this guy that's the central figure of our faith. This man that started it all. This man that we build our lives upon. The guy that we base our decisions upon. The biggest moments of our life, we revolve around him. Everything flows from him. 
He isn't just this guy that happened to come out of the Middle East in Israel at a certain time in history. He isn't just a carpenter's son. He isn't just this guy from humble surroundings. He wasn't just this guy born in the equivalent of a stinking stable. Someone that was poor throughout his whole earthly life is God in human flesh. Like, that's amazing. That's amazing. Is the creator of everything come down in humility to serve his creation. That's you and me. That we may be delivered from this wreck of our lives, from the consequences of our sin, from all the mistakes that we've ever made. It's come down in humility. The God of the entire universe, the one that created me and you, everything in this universe revolves around him and he humbled himself to come down and to serve us. Right? Did you, did you, do you not get that? That he didn't come or he didn't come on his throne. He didn't arrive with this massive entourage. He didn't, you know, come demanding palaces and kingdoms and costly gifts. He came in humility, bringing with him a kingdom that goes far beyond our own comprehension of what greatness is. It goes on to say something equally as mesmerizing. It says, who being in very nature God, he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Like that's a phenomenal statement as well. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, quote the well-respected theologian Spider-Man. <laughs> Said, with great power comes great responsibility. Does everybody remember that? <laughs> if you've seen the film? Now, I'm being silly. I don't want you to go away from this place and start saying Nathan's given up on the Bible. I don't know where he's at. He's got something going on in his life. And he's preaching about superheroes rather than about Jesus and the word of God. So don't quote me on Twitter or anything like that. Stay away from all those social media accounts. Put something noteworthy on there that I say this morning. But you know what? In that statement, I thought about this when I was praying this week. It goes to say something about my prayer life, doesn't it? When my thoughts just deviate to superheroes. But I was praying and I thought, you know what? There's some kind of, there's some kind of truth in that statement, isn't there? There's some kind of truth in that statement that in all the power, the great power that Jesus possesses along with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit, he didn't come with the intention of being exalted. He turned up with the responsibility of saving mankind. That's amazing. How many of you are glad today that God didn't just think to himself, which he would have been justified in thinking, that he didn't just think to himself, you know what, I'm done with these people. This creation that I've made, they're the ones that have set themselves up against me. Their nature has rebelled against me. They're the ones that have sinned. I could quite rightly just leave them to the consequences of that. God, God had no real need to have to take the responsibility upon himself to save us. But how many of you are glad that he did? Come on. The truth is God would have been completely justified in just leaving us to perish. But I for one am glad that God never gave up on us. He took it upon himself to suffer so that me and you wouldn't have to suffer. So let's get started this morning. Who can, who can tell me what's the opposite of, uh, what's the opposite of humility? Pride. Well done. You're a sharp bunch this morning, aren't you? You don't need to go back to school, you guys. So, you know what? I see it like this. I see it like this. Um, you know, pride is kind of like, you know, like media files on your computer uh, on songs. They, they, they can be played in a number of different formats. I see pride like that, uh, as in like it takes on a number of different forms in our lives that aren't always obvious to us, but they're always contrary to God's will. Always contrary to God's will. Pride in our hearts allows the enemy so much room in our own lives individually. 
pride leaves room and ground for him to take in our lives collectively as the church as well. We see this all over the place, absolutely all over the place. It creates strife. It creates competing agendas. It competes. Uh, it it brings resentment and discord. It creates multitude of negative effects on us as individuals and us as a church. If we're going to move forward, uh, you know what? This is the like. This is kind of the original sin. This is the sin that you know Satan committed when he was when he was thrown out of heaven. This is this is kind of the sin that a lot of other sin flows from pride. This is the thing that the Bible describes as something that God hates so much. I know this is like very like um, abrupt language this morning, but we've got to come to terms with the pride that's in absolutely every single one of us. You know, just praying this morning. I don't want to say this so that you would think, "Oh my word, Nathan was praying this morning early in the morning." Wow, isn't he amazing? But I'm saying this morning, honestly, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit before while I was preparing for this message this morning, a couple of hours before the meeting, I was really, really digging in and praying, Lord, I pray that pride would suffer a great defeat in our lives this morning. I pray that pride would suffer a great defeat in J28 Church this morning, because as much as, uh, you know, we, the leadership, are always on this stage saying, we believe that the best days are in front of us, you know, that, that God's got so much for J28 and Hope Church over this coming year, over the months, over the years coming up, and you know what, all of that stuff is true, but I don't believe in destiny. I don't believe in this whole rubbish about destiny. I believe that God gives us decisions to make and that those decisions form the future that we're going to have. So as, long, as well as it's true that God has got the best for us and that we are going to prosper, if we don't make the decision today to get over our pride and our own selfishness, we'll always stay where we are here and now. So like I said, pride is sometimes very uh, hard to identify. You know, by its very nature, it's something that doesn't want to be uncovered in us. It's sometimes uh, hard to put your finger on, so to speak, because the very first step towards humility is getting this realization that I've got a pride problem. You may not think that you've got a pride problem, but can I just say that's one of the first indicators to say that you've got a pride problem. Do you know what I mean? Pride can sometimes be obvious, but at the same time, it's very uh, elusive. It takes hold in, um, in very subtle ways in our lives. It can be hard to put your finger on. I'm saying that from, from my own experience. Sometimes it takes, it takes years for something in your life to be uncovered because as much as it's great coming and standing before Jesus and worshipping on, on Sunday morning, sometimes we stand here with our arms raised with the atmosphere fantastic in this place and the presence of God all over the place. But actually there's things going on in our lives that are covered up. And sometimes it takes years before those things are uncovered in the light of God. So what I think would be helpful for us to do this morning is to... Uh, is to identify some of the ways that pride expresses itself in our nature and through our behavior as well. Like I said, this isn't like an exhaustive list. These are a couple of things that just come to my mind that I really feel uh, are beneficial for us to hear this morning. So the first thing, if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. First thing, humility is submissive, but pride hates to submit. Pride hates to submit. This can be seen in many different ways in our lives. People, you know, that always need their opinion to be heard. Always need their opinion to be heard. They can't stand uh, for their view to not come across. They can't stand it if their view isn't made known. It can be somebody that just can't get on with a task. Somebody that's just a real know-it-all. You give them a task to do. And instead of going and running with the task and getting on with it and doing it to the glory of God and enjoying it, there's always a million reasons why it can't be done. It can't be done. It can't be done. People that lack 
any kind of teachability. They just hate uh, the thought that somebody else might know something beneficial and not them. They have a, sometimes it's people that have an un, unhealthy um, uh, need for position and recognition. You know, don't these people see, you know, the ability that I have, my gifting. You know, doesn't my gift speak for itself? I just want you to know this morning, church, that at J28 Church, your gifting does not just speak for itself. It doesn't speak for itself. It's, if, it, if character is not there along with your gifting, then do you know what? Your, your gifting isn't going to be used. It's not going to be used. In fact, I would go as far as to say if character isn't greater than your gifting, then you know what? You're in trouble. You're in real trouble. So these are just some of the examples of, uh, you know, of pride that I would say are kind of offensive behaviors. But pride also expresses itself in our defensive behavior as well. And what I mean by that is carrying around this demeanor that people are always trying to get at you. That people are always trying to get at you. No one can have a conversation without you automatically going back to this default setting that, oh my gosh, you know, they're, they're trying to get at me. I better get on the back foot. I better defend myself. It's an unhealthy behavior. Something that will try to drag you down. It's living like a victim. Like, does anybody know anybody like that? For goodness sake, don't point at anybody or anything like that because that would be awful. Guy over here, do you know what I mean? He's absolutely dreadful. But do you know what? It, it, it's, we all know people like that in our lives. And do you know what? To an extent, I think all of us, all of us have got that going on in our own lives as well. There's an ele element of defensiveness in each and every one of us because we as human beings hate to feel vulnerable. We see it right at the beginning in the opening chapters of the Bible. In the opening chapters of history, can we say, in Genesis, when sin entered the world. And what was the first thing that Adam and Eve did? They started to cover up. They didn't like their vulnerability. They didn't like feeling exposed. So our human nature, our default setting is always to cover up. Avoid the vulnerability. Avoid the exposure. Cover up and defend the attack. But you know what? Sometimes the, the, the amazing thing is you're not even being attacked. You just, you just have this perception. Somebody's trying to get at me. I don't know where it comes from. You know, I don't claim to be a great psychologist or anything like that. Maybe something went off in your past where, you know, you were exposed and your vulnerability came to the forefront and, uh, you know, and it was uncomfortable. And now you always find yourself in this position on the back foot where you think that if anybody's trying to help you or teach you anything, you need to cover up and defend yourself. And do you know why it has a dangerous effect on us? Do you know why that behavior has a dangerous effect? It's because the more defensive you get, the more you close off your ability to be taught something new. You, go, you gradually begin to, uh, to shut down your ability to receive wisdom and advice from somebody else. I, I believe, I believe in, you know, in worst case scenarios, you can actually sit there and open your Bible and read it like we're, always like we're always saying is a great thing to do. It's never a bad thing to sit and read the Bible and open it up each morning. But you know what? I believe that with this attitude, you can read through the Bible and, still let it, and it still has no life effect or life change upon you. Your character just remains the same. It's, just, it's almost like it's going in one ear, out the other. The ability to be uh, taught and receive, you know, sound advice and wisdom. It's essential for every single, uh, every single person who wants to be a Christian that grows. Somebody, if you're going to become more like Jesus, which is the goal of our faith, isn't it? To be more like Jesus at the end of it than we were at the beginning of it. If we're going to achieve that goal, 
then this defensive demeanor has to go. If you want a great example of, uh, of somebody uh, that just comes to mind, somebody in the Old Testament I love to re uh, read about, have a read of, uh, about King Uzziah. I think it's 2, two Chronicles chapter 26. If you want to do a case study of a great example of somebody who had this teachability, what happened was his father died and he ascended to the throne at 16 years old. My word, 16 years old. Can you think of anything worse than a 16-year-old on the throne? Now, don't get me wrong. If anybody's 16 in this place, we absolutely love you. And I genuinely believe that the uh, teenage, teenagers and the young generation are to be championed on. Do you know what? They need our... They absolutely, absolutely need the generation that went before them to believe in them. Because they're... You know what? They've got so much to give. But 16 years old and being in charge, being the top dog of one of the most powerful nations on earth. My word. Can you imagine if... Queen Elizabeth died tomorrow and her successor was 16 years old. We'd all be wearing these Beats headphones, wouldn't we, and stuff like that, and have to be commanded to, wear, to watch uh, X Factor and stuff like that. But you know what, 16 years old, but the, the amazing thing to me is this, that I can't remember what verse, it says that um, he, um, he sought the Lord during the time of Zechariah the prophet, and he let Zechariah teach him the fear of the Lord. I think that's amazing. What true humility is that? You, some of you, I don't know everybody's you know, vocation in this place, but if you're a boss you know, in, in this place and you're kind of top of the pecking order at work or whatever setting, you're a leader of something. Do you know what's really hard to do when you're at the top of the tree? is to open yourself up and let somebody be honest with you. There's no good going to your employees because they're going to tell you that you're amazing, aren't they? Because they're all scared of you because you're the boss. I think the example Uzziah gives is such a fantastic thing that this 16-year-old boy says, I don't know it all. I'm going to need help in this area. I know I'm the king and I know that the decisions lie with me. But I'm going to decide to go and get help. It doesn't matter in this place today if you've been a Christian for one year or if you've been a Christian for 40 years. I don't care if you're young or if you're old. If you don't have this desire to be able to learn and to grow then you're not moving towards God, you're moving away from God because there's no, there's no just staying still when it comes to God. You're either moving towards him or you're moving away from him. You know, speaking from my own experience, you know, I, I want to make the effort this morning in the spirit of humility because that's what we're talking about just, to just let you know this is an area that I struggle with. This is, a, this is an area that I struggle with. I just want to be open and honest with you and make myself a bit vulnerable there. And if you're sat there today saying, you know, I'm a pretty humble person, do you not see the mistake? It's something that each and every one of us, it's a battle that goes on within each and every one of us. You know, speaking from my own experience, good advice and uh, wisdom doesn't always come from one of those nice chats, does it? It doesn't always come from one of those nice chats. Sometimes it does, which is great. And you know what? I'm a real advocate of that. I want everybody to be encouraging each other. Everybody sat in this place today, I believe that the person sat next to you should really believe in them and encourage them and pray for them and want the very best for them. Go and big them up. But at the same time, good wisdom and good advice doesn't always come from a nice chat. Sometimes it, it, it comes from um, one of those tough conversations where you have to allow yourself to become vulnerable and become exposed so that you can hear the truth where you let somebody who's in a relationship with you, I'm not, I'm not saying just go and find a random stranger in the street, because you have to have a relationship with somebody to be able to talk truth with them. If you're going to open yourself up to somebody, you need to have a good relationship with somebody, i.e. a leader, a friend, a husband or a wife, somebody that's not just going to tell you what your itching ears want to hear.
You know, I used to carry around this uh, uh, this real defensive demeanor as well. This is why I'm talking about it, because like I said, it's a trait that I'd, I'd seen in my own life. This defensive uh, attitude where, you know, I didn't like to feel exposed or for it to seem like I didn't know what I was talking about. And, you know, if I was ever having one of those conversations with like a boss at work or uh, a leader at a church or something like that, and they're just trying to help, help you along, because most of the time, it's just somebody trying to help you along as well, just trying to make life easier for you. But you get your back up and you think, oh my gosh, they're trying to attack me. And you know, I was like this, and I used to keep saying this. Thing. I used to keep going, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know, yeah, I know. How frustrating that must have been, having this young lad making out that he knows it all. That must have been really, really frustrating. So look, the point this morning is, you know, whether you're a young person, whether you're an old person, none of us know it all. By the grace of God and a humble, teachable attitude, you can allow yourself to be taught and to grow. And so, you know, I, I want you to do something this morning is ask yourself this morning, you know, what these, these character traits that I'm describing, does that, does that describe you? I'm not asking you to say it out loud or tap the person on the shoulder next to you and say, yeah, that's me. But have an honest conversation with yourself. This is something we've got to learn to do as disciples of Jesus is having those honest conversations with yourself. Because like Paul spoke about a few weeks back, it all comes down to the heart. You don't know what's going on in here if you're not going to ever expose yourself and make yourself vulnerable. First and foremost, being vulnerable with God, but then being vulnerable with the people around you as well. So the second thing, I'm going to move on quickly because of time. Second thing is that pride expresses itself discreetly in our reluctance as well. So humility is a wonderful thing, but a thing that, you know what I sometimes believe gets wrongly defined. It gets wrongly defined, doesn't it? Because the obvious way to see a pride is, you know, look at me over here. Aren't I fantastic? Look at my gifting. You know, I'm God's gift to the church. I'm pretty amazing. But you know what? In fact... Pride expresses itself in our reluctance as well. The, the poor old me attitude. That, you know, I've got nothing to offer, so I'm just going to come and sit here in the corner. I'm not going to offer my best. I'm not, gonna, I'm not really going to try or anything like that. But what I'm going to do is I'm going um, to hide behind this thing called false humility. I'm just being humble, you know. I don't, I don't try anything. I don't get involved in anything because I've got nothing to offer. I'm not worthy. And we call it humility. And that's not humility at all, is it? It's not humility at all. This is a weak portrayal of humility. Like look at Philippians 2 again. Let's look at this example that Jesus gave us. Verse 7, it says, Rather he made himself nothing, but became obedient to death and death on a cross. He made himself nothing. It doesn't say uh, anywhere that so therefore he attempted nothing. This is a, it doesn't say Jesus made himself nothing, so you know he realized he was nothing, so he didn't try anything great. I want to just put it out there this morning that uh, you know if Jesus had been operating out of this false portrayal of humility, then he would have never gone to the cross for us, would he? He'd have been, you know, he wouldn't have thought himself uh, worthy enough. He'd have said, "Send somebody else, Lord, because you know I haven't, I haven't got what it takes." Send somebody who's capable. I'm just being humble. You get the difference that I'm talking about, don't you? So in his humility, Jesus said this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and do the greatest thing that's ever been done. I'm going to die for mankind. I'm going to make a way for them to be reunited back to the Father. This creation 
that is fallen. I'm going to make a way for them to be reunited back to the Father and spend eternity with us. To be one, God and man once again. He did the greatest thing that's ever been done. And that's a true representation of humility. Christ's example is ours to follow. So you're absolutely right if you say to yourself, I can't accomplish things in my own strength because it's God who empowers you. That's the truth. But at the same time, we can't allow our minds to jump on this excuse, you know, well, I don't need to try anything uh, because I can't do it in my own strength. Because let's be honest with ourselves, sometimes that's what we do, isn't it? I haven't got what it takes in my own strength, so you know, I'm just being true to humility, aren't I? So I don't really need to get involved. You know what? I actually believe that if we're truly humble people, we'll give our absolute very best to do great exploits for God in this lifetime, in the short period of time that we've got. So pick yourself up, resist the pity, uh, pity party mentality and give your heart and soul to serve him. The question of humility isn't, you know, do I need to have a low opinion of myself? The question of the matter is, do I actually believe God is who he says he is? Because if we believe God is who he says he is, the almighty, the all-powerful God that created heaven and earth and created me and you, then for goodness sake, why don't we attempt anything big? Why don't we believe that God could save this whole area? Why don't we believe that he could save those uh, friends and family members that have not been Christians for decades and we've kind of given up hope on? Because if God is who he says he is, then you know this whole load of rubbish about high self-esteem and low self-esteem and all these different things that we see in society today means absolutely nothing. Because my esteem is God. Do you get it? Low self-esteem, high self-esteem, just stop thinking in those terms. If you're a Christian in this place today, let your esteem be God, the all-powerful, almighty God. So therefore, you know, if God is who he says he is, I won't let my, uh, I won't be limited by people's negative opinions of me. I won't be limited by my own opinions of myself. To the person with low self-esteem in this place this morning, I want to say to you, God is who he says he is. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. All right? His intention is that you wouldn't feel great about yourself. Now that sounds controversial, doesn't it, in the 21st century. His intention isn't that you wouldn't feel great about yourself. His intention is that you would worship him as the great God that he is. And then in the light of worshiping God as the great God that he is, you'll understand who he's created you to be. So low self-esteem doesn't need to play any picture in your life doesn't need to play any part in your life. If you grasped hold of that revelation today, then you wouldn't ever feel the need to cover up. You wouldn't ever feel the need to hide yourself away. Vulnerability would no longer scare you. Feeling exposed would no longer scare you. Criticism would no longer bother you. You'd be free to be the person that God has made you. How appealing does that sound? And to the person at the other end of the scale, the person with high self-esteem, God is who he says he is. Remember this, you wouldn't even be here without him. The person that, you know, seems to think that their life is built upon their own abilities and their own giftings and their own greatness. You wouldn't even be here without him. Let this challenge you. James 4, 14. This is powerful language that the Bible uses here. It puts it this way. It says, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. That's powerful language, isn't it? You know, when, it, when the Bible uses that word mist as well, I don't want you to be thinking like early morning fog that takes a little while to clear. I want you to be thinking, you know, inhale a bit of cigarette smoke, blow it out and gone. That's mine and your life. That's how quick mine and your life is. 
You don't even know what tomorrow holds. You don't, that's, I mean, that's being generous. And you don't even know what's going to happen when we drive away from this place today. Yet we have this lofty idea and this lofty sense that, you know, we're kind of helping God out with this, aren't we? We'll just give him a bit of a nudge because I know he's got a lot on his plate. There's seven billion of us on the planet that he's got to look after. So I think what would only be right and fair is for us to help him along with it. God can handle your life. I just want you to tell you this morning, God can handle your life. So if high self-esteem is the issue this morning, God is who he says he is. Just remember, you're only here because of him. So I'm going to finish in a second because I'm, I'm aware of time. But you know what? If we're truly humble, I want to ask us this question this morning. I've already said it, but I want it to rest on us. Should we attempt big things in the light of a big and great and awesome God? Yeah, absolutely. Get away from this false portrayal of humility that we're not you know, really good for anything. We're not going to attempt anything big. If you're not serving at J28 Church because, you know, you think you're being humble because you want other people to be released into their giftings, it's nonsense. It's a lie. I genuinely think it's a lie that the enemy puts into our minds. I believe every single one of us should serve the local church. I'm not getting at people that haven't got time and work and do all of those kinds of things. What I'm trying to do is get at the heart of the root issue, this sense of false humility and pride. Get on board. I've got Micah 6.8 written on the, the, my office wall. And uh, Micah 6.8 says this, And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And you know what? And below that verse I've got written just uh, one of my thoughts that I, try, that I keep there just to keep reminding myself of each day. And I, I wrote this, Humility is to know that God is all-powerful. So we have the ability to attempt big things in his name and not be afraid of failure. Failure is such a bad thing, isn't it? God forbid that somebody would look at us and we've made a hash of a situation or we attempted something great as a church, you know what, and we put an event on and not many people turned up. Who? Come on, let's get over it. Let's just put another event on and believe that God is going to do something fantastic in that and that hundreds of people are going to get saved. I don't want us to be so insecure as a church that we don't attempt anything big for God. Humility all comes down to the motivation. And as you can see what, from what we've already read of Jesus, attempting great feats is without question. But, you know, it comes down to the motive, doesn't it? Are you in it for your glory? You know, if you're serving on teams at J28 Church or something, what, why are you doing it? What's the motive of your heart? Be honest with yourself this morning. Like I said, this is one of those key discipleship things. You've got to be willing to be honest with yourself. What's the motive of your heart? Why are you even sat here this morning? Are you coming because the wife dragged you along, the pesky wife? Are you here this morning because it's just the right thing to do and your mum and dad did it? And your mum and, and their mum and dad before them and for generations my family have been Christians. Well, so what? That's great. We celebrate that, that your family's been Christian for, for generations. But, uh, you know, are you in it for that or are you in it for Jesus? What's the reward of your life? So I don't want us to get into this... Uh, into being fooled by this false portrayal of humility that's nothing more than an excuse for our reluctance. So I just want to finish this morning and, uh, and say this. I said to Jez that we weren't going to sing a song at the end. This is why I'm a nightmare for worship teams, because I change my mind so often. I'm like Lucy. I just said that with a bit of spite, actually, didn't I? I heard that in my own voice. My word, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm sorry, sweetheart. 
Women do change their minds a lot. Can I just say that? Is that all right to say from the front? Who agrees, men? Women change their minds a lot, don't you? When you're going out on a night out and you want to go somewhere to eat, my word, there's about five different options, isn't there? I'm going to leg it now. Fire escape just there. So, worship team, if you could come up and join me. This would be great. What I want us to do is uh, we're going to sing again uh, before we finish. But you know what? There's some in this world that say that Christianity is the easiest of all faith systems and religious systems, so on and so forth. You know what? Christianity isn't even a religious system. It's a relationship with God, isn't it? But there's some people that say it's the easiest because uh, to be saved it doesn't require anything of you. It's a transaction of grace. And you know what? While there's truth in that, I actually believe, does that not make it the hardest? Does that not make it the hardest of all the faiths? Because it actually requires humility on ourselves to let go. Because our human nature is always, you know, we don't, we don't believe we get anything for free, do we? Especially if you're in Derbyshire. <laughs> do you know what I mean? We don't believe that we get anything for free. So there's always this striving in our human nature that makes us want to do something. We've got to do something. We've got to do something. Who, who said it? I think it was Pastor Danny said it. In one of his preachers, you know, we're not, it's not about us being human doings. We're human beings, aren't we? It's about being with God. And God didn't create us to strive. He didn't create us just for great works. He created us for relationship with him. And so, you know, my belief is that Christianity is actually the hardest thing because it, cre- it, it requires humility on our part to say, because some of us are pretty fantastic as well. I'm looking around the room and some of us have got great abilities. Do you know what I mean? And it's hard when you're a very gifted person, to have this realization that, you know what, it doesn't impress God. He uses it, but it doesn't impress God. What impresses God is this transaction of grace that Jesus provided for us on the cross.